mean, a pterodactyl will fuck you up. <laughs> like, a pterodactyl will eat your face and then pull, take you away from your family and throw you away somewhere. Yeah, they'll feed you to their children. You'd be stuck up in a fucking, like, in a cliff, like, trying to fight off chicks. <laughs> <laughs> No, not like they, they, they like chew you up and then feed you to their offspring. It's like okay, <laughs> they're called chicks. Okay. <laughs> Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I'm a Pod Star, Not a Doctor, featuring your boy, the Cuff Daddy, and my partner, the American Pharaoh. What's up, so, Danny? What's up, man? I'm. I've, I've been a little hype on the podcast, you know, we've been three episodes deep and uh, I'm excited, right? Three, we did three, that's three that's, more than I thought. <laughs> uh, that's four more than I thought. I'm going to say that every time. So, so now they know that you can't count and I can't spell. So cool. It's all good. <laughs> but it all works. What, uh, where have you, what have you been doing this week, dude? I've been watching your Instagram. Where'd you go? So I was in Rome. Uh, International Congress of Shoulder and Elbow Surgery, and Rome was great. It's uh, if you want good pasta and good bread and good wine and good cheese, Rome is a decent place to get all those things. Did you uh, present an article? Like, how'd you get there? Did they pay for you? No, God, I wish. Um, <laughs> it was very expensive to go and present my work, uh, but we presented two papers and two posters, and then. Uh, I presented for the Arab, the, so the, the Arab Shoulder and Elbow Association just started. It was their first meeting. They asked me to moderate a session, and I presented on reverse total shoulders. And then the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons asked me to be on a panel for fractures of the proximal humerus. And it was great because it was like all the same people I'd hang out with here, but it was Rome. Dude, I got to go to that. Do they have the Latino shoulder elbow surgeons? Is that a thing yet? I, I think, well, they, they actually had the Latin, so the Latin Americans. So you could have probably fit in there because I think Mexico can fit in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was great. It, I mean, it was it was actually really smart the way they did it because of the International Congress. It's kind of like the Olympics. It's every three years instead of four. And uh, so it was nice because they brought in, I did the post, The they called it the day zero before the meeting even started. And they brought in like the ASCS, which are the Americans, they brought the Arabs, they brought the Latin Americans. And what was nice about it is it brought all these people in. And then of course everyone stays for the rest of the meeting. Although I didn't go home. Dude, I didn't know about like, they don't promo enough. Like I saw I, everybody was there, right? So all my friends are texting me, you know, Shannon Carpenter's texting me. I'm texting you, Joaquin's Satello's in Rome. And I was like, uh, why is everybody in in Rome. And then I look up, I'm like, Oh, there's a shoulder meeting. I'm like, what the fuck? And so I guess I'm going to go to the next one, right? The next one's going to be in Vancouver. So yep. I definitely going to go to that. Um, and then 29, are a lot of cool places, dude. Yeah. 29 is Cairo, my hometown. So, well, my homeland, I should say I was born in Cincinnati. In so I can't claim Cairo. Uh, but it was great because, you know, your boy Joaquin, 
and my boy Joaquin, he was like the king of Rome. I mean, the guy's killing it there. He he ran so many sessions and just absolutely crushed it. It was dude. If was you crazy. have the meeting in the in a pyramid, I'm I'm fucking going. So I will <laughs> do my best to make that happen because I know how much that would please you. It, or it's at, least not like at least like a pyramid tour, right? Like, right. They we do could do it like in Chichen Itza or something like that in Mexico if we can't pull it off in, in Cairo, but, but you know, whatever. Do you roll up? You can roll up on a camel. You roll, you like trick out your camel and you like roll up. Now, why do we got to get racist? No, no. I mean, no, just because I'm Egyptian now, now my form of transportation no. is a camel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, they ride camels there. I've seen it. It's like a thing, right? It's just like when you ride an elephant in Thailand. So this is actually pretty funny. So we went <laughs> last year to Egypt for the Egyptian Arthroscopy Association. And so uh, my brother is nice enough to, I was on one side of the pyramid. He was on the other with my kids and they wanted to get on a camel. And so he pulls out his money and the guy that puts him on the camel sees the money. So he says, it's going to be like, whatever, however many Egyptian pounds. And so my brother pays him. And so now they're up on the camel. They're like 12 feet in the air, 15 feet in the air. And he's like, all right, we're time to get off. He's like, I saw how much money you got. That's what it's going to cost to get him down. And so <laughs> he had to like, literally pay him like 500 American dollars to get him down. Dude, you got jacked. That's oh, totally. Thing. And the best part is the Egyptian police was just sitting there laughing. Yeah, dude, like that's right thug. there. That's thug. They do that oh, in ever- Mexico, too. That's why I don't go to Mexico. I mean, so I was like a little embarrassed. I was like, if that's my home country, it's like that sucks. Dude, and I'm so a, I was that. over here while you were having fun. I was signing up cases, you know, driving to different hospitals, doing consults. You know, I did a surgery today and then I, I knocked out a clinic in the afternoon. And and you know, I just was grinding and hustling in the zone. I'm working on some talks for some other meetings, and it's just been like nonstop and and, you know, it's nice to come here and everyone's like, where are you going? I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go do my podcast. And they're like, what's that? And, you know, I'm like, well, this is, you know, it's after hours, Danny, right? And the cuff daddy. <laughs> so it's fun just to kind of hang out and decompress with you. But I've been looking forward to it because I wasn't in Rome. You know, I've been out here on the grind. But I, I, I can respect the hustle. I mean, that's it's what that's why we do what we do. I mean, we enjoy what we do. I mean, you're back to unfortunately you know, grinding because you started a new job, which I know you're going to crush, but it, it changes things. It's like, you got to get almost go back to square one. You got to reestablish yourself. You got to re-promote yourself, but you're the fucking tough daddy. You got this. <laughs> Dude. I mean, I, I was in surgery today and I was just tearing it up. So, you know, I did a fracture today and it was AFT for you guys who don't know what AFT means. You know what AFT means, Sharif? Oh, I know Anna fucking Tomic. I know Anna fucking Tomic. So little ortho joke, you know, when we kick ass in the OR and we fix your bone and we put the plate and screws on it and it's it's tight. We we always say it's AFT. So, you know, it, it is, you know, I had a lot of fun today. Definitely got re-energized. You know, I was, I took like a week off. I think I didn't do surgery for like a week. Um, and I was going a little antsy and everyone's like, wow, you know, you gotta, you gotta chill. I'm like, dude, I love, I love this. Like, you know, I'm addicted to my job. Like is, is, I guess it's a, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but it, I just enjoy it so much. So it was nice to kind of get back into the OR today and kind of do what I do and, and show everyone what's what. You know, I think <laughs> your patients would be thankful that you are 
that you are enjoying what you do because that means that you're going to give them a great outcome. If you are just going in there to just slap a plate on there, you know, they don't want that. They want the Danny special. They, they, there's Denny's and there's Danny's. You want Danny's. You're, you don't <laughs> you, want Denny's. The they want the cuff. Yeah, they want the cuff daddy. Yeah, exactly. And, and and so that that's that's respect right there is like you know that you're going in there and that you are going to do the best job that you can do and just make sure that they're happy with their outcome. And that's that's what it is. That's the grind. Yeah, no, it's a good grind. So, you know, we're grinding on the podcast, episode three. I feel like we should cheers. Um but I was thinking to myself today. I'll cheers you, but you're drinking kombucha. So here's my <laughs> bourbon for your kombucha. So cheers. Dude, I like kombucha. It's like pickle flavored kombucha. Yeah, it's fermented. Whatever. <laughs> Dude. Whatever. So I was thinking, I was like, I wonder at what episode I'm going to go from cuff daddy to just cuff. And then, and then when am I going to turn to just be like cuff diddy? I think you're going to be C Diddy <laughs> at some point. I mean, it's Diddy? there's an evolution here. I'm just the American yeah. fair. I don't know what I can do. I mean, AP, which is a nice watch, but you know, I think I'm going to just stay American Pharaoh. I'm going to be honest, dude. Cause I, I tried to spell Pharaoh and I had to look it up. It's a little hard to spell. Like that A is kind of hidden. It's like Pharaoh. O. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then that horse was Pharaoh, but it was spelled O A H. That's what I'm saying. Everything up. They screwed it up because I spelled it wrong one time and I'm so self-conscious now because you made fun of me. <laughs> I, I, I wrote it down and I was like, wait, is that right? And I had to look it up. See, that's Pharaoh. why you know that people from Kentucky spell Egyptian words. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not wrong. I mean, they spelled it wrong. I mean, if, maybe it was on purpose. Maybe it was on accident. Who knows? However, it was significantly different than the appropriate spelling. And then, and then I got, you know, Scott Sigmund, who was nice enough to send it a shout out, who spells it just A-H, like just leaves a whole entire O out of it. it just Shout like, out it. Scott Sigmund, you know. And the ortho show. It's funny you say that. So I, I love Scott. You know, Scott's ortho show is, is, is it's legit. Like I like his shtick. I like his whole vibe. It's pretty cool. You know, I, I got to be honest. He, when he had me on his show, like that was the point where I was like, I want a podcast. <laughs> and and you know what when he called me he called me a long time ago and was like yeah they they have this thing called the ortho show and whoever's doing it is not doing it they want me to fill in for a few episodes i'm like that's fantastic and like w when he had me on as a guest i'm like dude this dude crushes it i mean he is great at this and i mean yeah. so if, if his like hands go away one day i mean he's got he's got this to fall back on yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I mean the fallback. You know, everyone everyone needs a fallback. I, I'm gonna keep doing my my thing, doing the surgery thing. Uh, you know, I, I like doing the surgery thing. I I do like kind of like, you know, doing the surgery is everything. You as you know, we kind of we need other people to to make us look good and make sure that the patients do well. And you know, I gotta give a shout out to all the PTs out there, all the physical therapists, the doctors of physical therapy. Uh, you know, I've looked, I've been fortunate enough to work with some really good physical therapists, and you know, a lot of them make me look really good, right? So they rehab the patient. They're another. They're an extension of me. How, I mean, how do you feel? You, you got some good PTs that you work with that make you look really good. 
I, I think they're the, the reason we do well. I mean, if you look at what we do and you look at the time period we spend with the patient, we spend an hour with the patient in the operating room. Obviously, we spend time with them in the clinic and we get them up to speed and what we're going to do and how we're going to fix them. But if you do a total shoulder, it's like 30 to 45 minutes. If you're doing a cuff, it's like 45 minutes to an hour, whatever. But then they have three months with this person, three times a week. They have to motivate these people to do stuff on their own. They got to make sure they're following our protocols. They're, they're the, the heroes here. I mean, we just, we're technicians. As I like to think, we are line workers. I'm in Detroit, so where we build cars. We're the people just putting the cars together, but then somebody's got to figure out how to teach these people to drive it. And so that's them. I mean, they're the unsung heroes here. For sure. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I feel like we lost a little bit over the years. Like I learned a lot from my fellowship um, at the Rothman and they were, you know, they knew a lot of the PTs, they interacted with them. And I kind of took that, like, you know, I, I just like knowing I want like to be involved, right? If I'm going to send my patient to a therapist, I want to know the therapist. I want to look at the facility. I want to know what, what kind of training these people have. And I think that we, I think some people lost that a little bit. I think we need to work more to kind of be closer with the therapist, like introduce ourselves. So they know you, they know what your, you know, your whole stick is. They know what kind of surgeries do you do, but like more just to like meet you as a person. Like, you know, I think that that's, that's been lost a little bit. Like it's just a paper prescription. And then they say, Oh, there's this doctor out there, Dr. Acevedo. I wonder what he's like. Right. I think he's that short. he's short. Yeah. That's what he is. <laughs> I mean, but I like meeting them. I want to know what these people are like, like who am I sending my patients to? And I think that we got to work together a little bit more um, in that aspect, you know, just for not only for us and for the patient, but also for like the therapist. I feel like the therapists are kind of stuck in like this little, the world of their own, but we really need to integrate them into our world, into our meetings, into everything that we do. Right. Absolutely. And and you, you nailed it. I think they're on an island and they need some guidance and yes, they, they get it. They're unbelievable at what they do. I mean, I have a therapist right now who crushes it. My man, Justin and Omnikinetics where I go. And, and so if, if I go and tell my story a little bit back in January, uh, I'm an, I'm a decent snowboarder and I'm going down the hill and it was unfortunately pretty icy that day. And my daughter was learning how to snowboard. I know you're laughing. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'm going down the hill and, and I'm, my daughter's learning. She's a great skier. She's like, but dad, I want to snowboard with you. So I'm watching her go down and then it's lights out. I don't remember a thing. And 15 minutes later, after this blank tape, I'm, I'm awake. World, <laughs> I, see star. Dude, I mean, I, I cracked my helmet. I oh. don't even remember. I, no, I had a, I had a concussion. And, and so my whole right side is in pain. I'm like, what the hell just, I don't remember any of it. You had a stroke. It wasn't a stroke. I am, I'm, I am 50 years old, but it wasn't a stroke. No, Dude. but I had a concussion. And so it's for literally three, four weeks, the head, it's like, everything is like wobbly for me, almost like vertigo. Oh but I ended God. up going to these guys and my therapist has been unbelievable because he, he figured out that not only is this going on, but that's going on. And from when I had my rotator cuff fixed back in 2018, they didn't do this. And I didn't finish therapy because of COVID, you know, you name it. Long story short, this guy has like pieced me back together. And in things that even as a surgeon, like, he's like, you know what it is, your right shoulder's bothering you because you're left ankle. I'm like, what? 
but, but he, he totally <laughs> nailed it. And I'm like, he's like, yeah. this, like ankle thing. And I'm like, wow, my shoulder's moving a lot better. So God bless therapists because they see things so different than we do. And it's because of them that our patients do well. And no matter how much we think we're helping, it's more often than not that it's the therapists that make us look good, not us. So what did we learn today? That the shoulder bone is connected to the ankle bone, not yes, the sir. hip bone. So yes, the song is the song's messed up. So that's a good segue. So I'd like to introduce our guest today. So we're going to have uh, one of my friends on today. Her name is Jessica Mena, and she is a orthopedic uh, clinical specialist. She's a doctor of physical therapy. She also did an extra year of sports medicine training. Uh, I've worked really closely with her over the years. She's an amazing therapist. Um, patients love her. Uh, she crushes the game and makes me look really good over the years. Uh, the, the funny thing is, is as I started to kind of interact with her at work, I found out that she's also like a big runner person and she's a long distance running coach on the side and she also has a pretty good instagram following and actually i'm pretty sure she had a podcast for a little bit so um that's my friend and we're gonna bring her on in a hot second i can't wait to meet her because i have so many questions <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I, you nailed it. I really love what you said about PTs and um, orthos. I was like, yes. Clap, Wait, you're not supposed clap. to be listening to that. That's like private talk. Are they put you <laughs> in on that? Bobby, what are it you was, doing? It was on point, so that was great. Hey, yeah. Bobby, do me a favor. Can you get her handle on there? We want to make sure that of her like 12,000 or 100,000 oh. followers on Instagram that we nail it and give her more. She needs more for the eight people that are listening to this. We want eight more followers for her. So, Je Jessica, so... so Tell me, like, so what's the scoop? So, you know, there's a lot of non-doctor people that listen to us. Obviously, you know, we're not doctors right now. This is like full alter ego, cuff daddy, American Pharaoh stuff. Yeah, the the C Diddy. We're going C Diddy next episode. I love so it. So what okay. like what's the, what is PT? Like like so what is the PT? Like, how did you get there? Like, how did you even get involved? And 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 what's that like? Well, my story is like pretty long, um, but essentially I was, I was on my way to being an athletic trainer and uh, I was doing my internship with the WNBA um, in college. And so I was working with the LA Sparks and um, I think it was a quick realization that I really enjoy working with athletes, but I really like helping the little people like in that, but I mean the general public, your uncles and aunties or grandmas and grandpas kind of thing. I thought you and, meant little um, people like, like Cup Daddy. <laughs> I'm not no, that small, dude. Stop saying that. I got you by a. I literally got you by a foot. All right, relax. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, and uh, my uh, mentor at the time was like, "You should get a job at Select and at KJOC at the Colon and Job Clinic in LA." And that's when I realized, like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, and so, actually, uh, Dr. Job, Frank Job, wrote my recommendation letter for uh, PT school. 
And no, I, I, you met Frank Job. So he he was a well. Now I can say that. Be, rest in peace, um, amazing man. And um, I worked with him, and he was so awesome. He's like, you got to go to PT school. I'll write a letter. He called schools for what? me and got me interviews. Um, and he was the first orthopedic doctor. Of course, he was retired at the time that. I learned a lot from him and just like what orthopedics was and how important the relationship with PTs and um, orthopedic surgeons was. And I met all the fellows and the KJOC fellows. And that's how I know some of the surgeons that I know now was through that whole uh, like journey. But um, let, me since- just, let me just let me just tell the, the people listening, if you guys don't know who Frank Job is, Frank Job was like one of the OG orthopedic surgeons in L.A., He's the doctor who came up with the Tommy John surgery. And basically after Tommy John surgery, that is the move that catapulted orthopedic sports medicine and kind of put us as orthopedic surgeons on the map. So Frank Job to me is, is, you know, idol, right? Like, so that's awesome that you met him, Jeff. So I started yeah. to interrupt, but I, I had to tell the no, people, I- you know, <laughs> the listeners, because if they don't yeah. know, I just wanted to know like how huge that was. Cause for me, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Cause I would have loved to meet Dr. Job, and I know my one of my mentors, Dr. Amura, met him and said he was an amazing man too. He's just amazing, and I remember him. You know, he there was three PT assistants um, or eight techs, and he all got us into PT school. And he's always pushed us like, "You're going to be the best. You're going to go and do fellowship. You're going to do residency, and you're going to crush ortho PT." And I was like, "Yes." Um, so he was probably the first person that really catapulted me into um, outpatient orthopedics as a therapist. Um, so, anyways, I went to PT school um three years now it's a doctorate program it used to be masters and i think it's a doctorate just because we get radiology pharmacology a lot of us work in hospital settings like myself an outpatient hospital setting so um we cover we like catch a lot of things that people kind of don't um maybe don't realize but um yeah and i think my background in sports really uh kind of meshed it and i feel like this is where running becomes so important to me because I think running was a reason that that has led me to all these things and to meet all the people that I've met. Um, and really another really vital reason why I ended up in rehab and, and physical therapy. So yeah, PT is like, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's, we kind of see everyone, any kind of ache and pain you can think of we're we see them. Everyone sends everybody to us. So not only do we have to know, you know, orthopedic, protocols and know what Dr. Acevedo does, but I have to know like vertigo, you know, geriatrics, neuro, um, any ailment you might have, any strain, headaches, cervical. I mean, it's everything, everything. We see everything, peds, everything. She's a doctor. It's crazy. She's. I mean, I'm hearing this and it sounds like she's a lot smarter than we are, Danny. And I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah. So, no, it yeah, sounds amazing. And, but I do think it's great that you mentioned. I do think that there is a relationship that has been lost. And the reason I think me and Daniel worked so well together is because we had such a good relationship um, and collaborative uh, way about things. And not a lot of doctors are like that. And I, and I openly say that. And I think the younger orthopedic doctors maybe have a different tune to it. Um, and I think they realize that, but for the most part, I remember going into my first few years as a, as a PT, there was such a divide. There was just, it's like the orthos were like, I know what I'm doing. I'm the surgeon. Yeah. 
do it. And if something went wrong, it was always our fault. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. Can we just yeah. talk about this? Let's, no. let's hash it out. Um, Dude, so I, like, you know how people have like a PA. So I have a PA now, uh, which is super cool. And I was like, man, like it would be super cool if I had like my own PT and like mm-hmm. my, my PT like came in clinic with me and they saw patients with me and then they like did all the rehab. Like, like that's where we need to be with medicine. Like we need to yeah. be like, full service musculoskeletal care we roll up with the pa with the pt maybe even like a massage therapist and like you just roll Mm -hmm. up with the squad and attack the patient and then the patient leaves like like fixed and the the, the patient's like what just happened (laughs) no but 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 you know what's really interesting is so we have our own therapy in our office and there's nothing better for me when i see a patient that's kind of like putzing along and i bring the therapist into the room and we have this conversation with the patient and it's almost it's almost like the the back in the day in residency and training where you would have these by committee you would like present a patient in front of the entire group and then everybody would chime in so it's nice to to say look this is what i did this is what the injury was this is how we fixed it and have the therapist say you know what this is what we've been doing in therapy and then like work together to come up with a plan versus me just saying, well, the therapist just needs to do more. And by the way, it's not your fault, Jess. It's always anesthesia's fault. So as long as we can agree on that, we're fine. Sorry for all the anesthesia. They're they're cool, but it's always their fault. Remember. So you're you're absolved. Um, But I think that's the key is, is to make sure that it's really, it's treatment by committee. Because like I said earlier, and I think you were on listening we do our part and our part is short. I mean, we have to, we become cheerleaders at our post-op appointments. That's all we are. We make sure that we're, we're promoting them to do what they need to do and cheering them on to make sure that they're following through. And I mean, I, I think of one lady that I have that just all she wants to do is smoke. That's her whole goal. She's not going to do well <laughs> at therapy, but I replaced her shoulder and she's like, I'll quit. I'll quit. And she didn't quit. And, you know, when they tell her you need to go to therapy three times, she's like, "Ah, that's a lot. Maybe I'll go once a week. And then she comes back and she's like, you know, I can't move my shoulder as much as I want. I'm like, well, that's kind of on you. But my therapist is crushing it with her in that one episode of each week. Mm -hmm. So I think there has to be some therapy and treatment by committee, which I think you're offering them. Yeah. And I do think it helps when uh, like a lot of pro Pete, PT orthos say you go go let your PT handle it the patients I mean you guys have where you know the doctor badge whatever you guys say is like bible right so when they're like oh he really said I go to therapy I really gotta go and that's usually what helps and I'm like what did your ortho doctor say you had to come right okay you gotta do exercises right all right let's go come on let's do it so <laughs> you're like, uh, a mom. You're like a mom yeah it really is I, I mean we're not only are we rehab but I mean we're with these patients so much that we're also like therapists. They'll tell us their life story, their problems, their fights with their husbands, their kids. And we're just like, all right, well, how's your range? Can we measure your shoulder range? Let's, let's, let's see. Okay, that. So you know what I want to know? So like when, when they come and see you, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different when they meet the patient, like the patient either looked at the doctor for a while. Maybe they know, maybe they just got stuck with the doctor. Who knows? Like, did the patient ever come and like, be like, Hey, like, so is my doctor any good? Like what's up with this? Yes, guy? They, they do that. They do that. They'll let's say you have someone who has hip OA or shoulder OA. Osteoarthritis. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah osteoarth- <laughs> sorry, osteoarthritis. And they'll, we're doing rehab, and their X-rays come back, and they they're they're about to get a consult with ortho. And the first thing they'll do is, hey, who do you know in ortho that's good? Who's good? And you're like, well, this, 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 this doctor. These are all the specialists. Damn. So PT can like totally like hate on you. And like your best referrings, your best referrings often are your therapists. Really? I mean, I'm a few years ahead of you, Cuff Daddy. I mean, I'm 17 years out. I think you're what, like 12 or 10 or 10. But, but yeah, it's, it's, if you start doing a good job and every time the therapist is like, oh, yeah, you're, you're a, S of eight patient. Yeah. You're going to do great. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, so next, and then, so they'll see a patient and they'll be like, oh, the patient's not doing so great. Be like, you should, you know what you should do? You should go see Danny. And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like the unwritten rule they're not supposed to do, but they also want to see the patient do well. So they're yes. like, maybe you should go see this other guy. But some, you know, some patients have like, so what about the patients that had just have, and this goes for every, every surgeon, right? We take on some hard ass cases that we're doing crazy reconstructions or whatever. And we know that the patient's probably going to be like at best a B, right? No matter who did it. I mean, it doesn't matter who mm-hmm. did it. Like they're just going to be a B just because of the diagnosis or they were a vision surgery or whatever. Like, how do you deal with that, Jess? Like they're coming in and they, let's say they got the cuff daddy special, but they're a revision <laughs> on a revision on a revision on a revision. And they're just like, you know they're like i literally i'm like you have the best doctor so this is all you got this is all we, we need got. more cheerleaders we need more cheerleaders like yeah Jess. and oh, that's what i do need... say i yeah. do say that you know like there's people who have the, i had just had a patient the other day um he was like dude i have this total shoulder and i don't have full range and i'm like who said you were going to get exactly full range he's like well i don't know you you know this doctor is the best and I'm like, yeah, he's the best. And that's all we got. Like, it's okay. You're not going to, you know, have 180 degrees on a reverse total shoulder, you know? Yeah. So those expectations, but do. I do some think of do. <laughs> some of them do, some of them do. Um, and it's, it's also the same thing that you said. It's like, it depends how they go in pre-op, like how stiff were they? How weak were they? You know, if they're doing, you know, trifling bad, you know, the outcomes maybe are not going to be as stellar. Uh, but most patients generally do well. But yeah, I'm pretty upfront about that. Look, like they did awesome work. You have the best surgeon in town and this is what you're getting. You should be, you know, you're functional. What, what, and I always go back to function. Like, what can you not do? Oh, you can do everything, but now you're just being picky, right? Like, you know, we just got, give yourself time. It's only been three, four months. Give it a year. We still haven't even gotten through six months. So a lot of patients do have very unrealistic expectations. So a lot of what I do is, like try to calm them down and, you know, try to put out little fires that are starting to burn up. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. Like yeah. Just relax. just relax. Do not, fan, um, do not fan the flame, but no, I think, <laughs> I think the, the key is more, I think that falls on us as surgeons. I think you have to have a really good conversation with your patient and tell them what their expectations are. And so like, if I have a patient that's coming in for a reverse total shoulder and you know, for everybody listening out there, so it's, you have a big rotator cuff tear, you have a ton of arthritis. Our goal is to give you pain relief. That's our goal, number one. Now, I know Danny and I are very picky, so we want motion function strength on top of that. We're not just settling for just pain relief. And we're going to pick a good therapist like Jess to do that. But we also have a real conversation that our main goal is pain relief. But 
If we can get more, it's all gravy. So I think mm-hmm. that if a patient goes to you and is told they're going to get full range of motion, pain relief, you know, the ability to like throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and hit a 300 yard drive, then, you know, you, you have to question what the surgeon told them. And so that's on us. We got to make sure that we're realistic with them so they have expectations that they can actually realize. Sharif, do you what do you hear about there's a lot of talk about this prehab? Do you do any prehab? No. And here's why. Because unfortunately, and I'm going to throw the insurance under the bus right now, I don't know how many visits these patients have. So the problem oh. I have is that I don't want to burn 10, 15, 20 visits, and then I do the replacement, and then they come back and say, I, I don't have any more visits. And mm. so that's a problem. So the, the, I would love to do prehab if I, in a perfect world, I do it. But I also want to be very careful that I don't, you know, screw the patient after surgery when they don't have enough visits. What do you think, Jess? What's up with this prehab? Everyone's talking about prehab this, it's better. You get better range of motion, blah, blah, blah. I do think with certain diagnosis, like a total knee or something like that, total knees, if they go in, like I had the, we had this patient who had a total knee and that he's right away. And I was curious. I'm like, what was your knee range before? He's like, I only got to 50, 60 degrees flexion. And I'm like, ooh, this is but hard. Like, like, you're not going to get a 90, you're not going to get 90 degrees uh, day one. You didn't have it before. So prehab maybe would have helped just with like general range of motion. It just depends on the case, right? So, but I do think there's benefit for it for certain demographics and certain cases and certain patients with certain surgeries. Not everyone yeah. may necessarily benefit from it, you know? Yeah, I, I think in a perfect world where we didn't have all these restrictions of how we have to be able to treat these patients, I would send everybody to therapy ahead of surgery just to get them tuned up and, you know, do a deltoid strengthening and make sure their shoulder's nice and strong. But then unfortunately, you you might take away so many visits that they don't have the opportunity at post-op, right. which, which is a struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, people get knee arthritis from running, right? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 don't you know what? say that i want to know so i you know i introduced you i know you, you heard about the running so sharif really wants to know about the running thing but i, I want to know just i have like, so many questions because i just like, want to have the one question i'm gonna let sharif ask this question yeah, my only yeah. one question about the running and i know the answer but do you think that running causes knee arthritis jessica no, no. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot of research that, that shows that running that doesn't necessarily speed up the process. And there's a lot of people who've been running for 20 years and they have. I think the, maybe what it is is generally people who run a lot generally have really good muscle tone and strength. And so that might be what's saving them. But I don't. I think maybe a newer, a newer runner who's never ran before and they start running and their 30s, 40s are out of shape. And I'm like, running's not the best thing for you. You actually end up getting knee pain and people do. Um, so that's my take on that. So I think you're right. I think the key here is if you're out of shape and you try to run, you're probably not going to have great form. You're going to pound away on your heels and not run on your toes. And you're going to, you know, it becomes a significant, um, it, it becomes detrimental because you are mm-hmm. really loading those knees and yes, it's going to increase. When you run like you, because I've looked at your Instagram and you run like a gazelle, it's <laughs> it, 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 it's not going to bother you because you're barely touching the ground. You, I watch you; it looks like you you're floating. Yeah, and, like I, that, thank or you. she had that like yeah. runner's form. Like I tried to run like that one time, and I, I thought I looked funny. 
Yeah, well, I've been doing it for 22 years. And that's the thing I tell, you know, as a coach, as a therapist, especially, people like to run to get in shape. And I'm like, you have no idea how much ground reaction force your foot hits the ground is three times your body weight. That's 300 plus pounds. If you can't do a single leg squat, you have no business running. Like you have to be fit to run. You cannot run to get fit. And that's why I think people like get lost in this translation of like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to run. I'm like, no, running is not you have to be really strong to run and run for a long time and to avoid injuries. And uh, of course, most of the runners that I see in the clinic are the novice runners. I started doing this during COVID. I'm trying to lose weight. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, this is not the sport to do that. So, yeah. So I will agree. I mean, I, I'm a very active person. However, running is not my forte. My goal of running is to outrun the person that is behind me. <laughs> if a bear is chasing us and if somebody is chasing us like the cops, I, I just need to run faster than the slowest guy. That's I want to all see a I video need. Of you running. I want to get, a I'm video. actually a good runner. I'm a, I mean, there you I go. Do, I don't know. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a video, Danny. That'll be a whole episode in itself. You can critique my running, but you know, I, so I'm on your Instagram and I'm flipping through. I'm like, I'm trying to get to know Jess. What questions am I going to ask her? And I'm fascinated because like you're running everywhere. There's like one, you're like running on the moon. And I mean, it's great. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you this. So what is your bucket list of where you would want to run? You run a lot of cool places. I mean, Death mm -hmm. Valley, which it's like, there's a picture of you, you're running and there's like, not a soul in sight for like yeah, 3,000 cool. miles, which looks amazing. But there's actually one person there because they took well, Who's the taking the picture? That's exactly. Like, who's taking the pictures? So An I, alien. yeah, no, there's like in the community, it's such, running has become a pretty popular sport. So there's a, a lot of photographers or people who are just taking photos for, for fun. Um, and then friends just take pictures. So on big events like that, when we had that race across Death Valley, we had a photographer. So he was just taking a whole bunch of pics for us. Wait, was um, he running too? No, he was just there kind of documenting the experience. Um, oh. We ended up getting a grant from the organization. And so they wanted content to support our, our team. Um, yeah. So, but I honestly, my bucket list race is uh, like Death Valley 150 miler. Um, it is. I don't a... even drive that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's the hard, one of the hardest races in the world because it's in 120 degree weather and you're running an ultra marathon. Uh, that is now that if I could do that, I would, I could retire. I'm cool. All right. So, all that 100. So, how far? 100 i think it's 150 there's a 150 and a 175 miler you're insane but <laughs> how long does that take you like if, if i run 170 miles i would take, take a, a month few off days of work no it'd take yeah. a month <laughs> i would take a month off of work yeah i don't know if no, i could ever do that it's intense the athletes who run ultra marathons ultra marathon is anything longer than a marathon there it's a different caliber athlete they're a little bit twisted in the head um, in that sense that they're just not afraid of anything. And, you know, they're, they've trained for so long and their bodies are just in tip top shape and super strong. Like one of the best uh, ultra marathon athletes, she's like also kind of like a bodybuilder. So she's, I mean, she's fit and she can handle all that stuff. So yeah. You just and, ran 150 uh, miles. You better be fit. Dude, I mean, yeah, that's you, you have to be miles. fit. Are you going to get a Nike deal? Like what kind of shoes are you wearing? I don't know. I that's my goal. I mean, I've had some brand ambassadorships for with my favorite brands, and that's been really, really cool. Uh, yeah, shoes. You'd have to be. You have 
for a shoe company or any company that sponsor you, you pretty much have to win a race. Uh, you have to win that. Well, yeah. get out there and win a race. I want to see. I know, like, I know, Sockany. I know. I just have to. Sockany. <laughs> Sockany or Brooks or something exactly. like that. New balance. New balance. While we're, yeah. New, well, while we're there, I mean, because everybody sees Nike and I always love when patients tell me I'm going to get ready for a marathon. I got some sweet new Nikes and then they get these like ones with zero support. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. And so it's like nothing against Nike. Sorry, Phil Knight. Uh, but it's what it, what do you recommend as your best shoe for running? And I want you to get into feet as weird as that sounds, because mm-hmm. I know Danny's into feet. <laughs> But I wanted, <laughs> but I want to know, like, because like you just said, it's 300, you know, it's three, it's it, it, the ground reactive forces are so strong on these. What do you tell a patient? Because like I said earlier, it's my shoulder hurts because I have a bad left ankle and it's my right shoulder. It's the opposite side. So like walk us through that whole commentary of your feet and what it takes. Yeah. So the feet and the ankles are super important. So if I do end up talking, and of course, these are mostly runners asking me questions or patients, but I definitely check their feet. Like, do they have low arches, high arches? Are are they low arches because it's genetic? Like people are genetically flat footed, the structure is different. Um, Or are they low arch because they've lost the strength in their posterior tibialis or their foot intrinsic? So those things play a big role. My general rule is if you are genetically flat uh, or uh, pes planus, what we call it, um, then you probably will need a shoe that's a little bit more supportive because you don't have great shock absorption, which is the same as someone who has a very rigid foot or a high arch, a very stacked high arch. People need a lot of support because they don't have good shock absorption. Your your The foot is not pliable enough to absorb weight. It's too hard or too flat. So those two patients do really well in a stability shoe. Most companies like Hoka, Saucony, New Balance have pretty good stacked foam. Um, and the technology of the midfoot support is there with postings and the different types of foams. I think nowadays, most shoes for long distance runners um, generally have a good shoe. And if you're not in either of those two get- categories, I say a neutral shoe is better. Um, because you kind of want your foot to work a little hard. If it's, there's also a bad thing with having a stability shoe or wearing a stability shoe when you don't need it. It's kind of like wearing a knee brace. You wear a knee brace, you're relying on the brace instead of your quad to help you through the activity. So a two, uh, a supportive shoe or two cushions, excuse me, two cushion shoe, um, can lead to weakness. And so there's been studies on people who wear very, very cushioned shoes actually land on their heel harder because they think that the foam is there. So the grand reaction force increases. So I, mean, I can go all off. Dude, oh, you I'm, just, I, like, I, I, I love like this. That runner knowledge. Like that, we're going to have to have another episode and just talk about running. So, okay. <laughs> so now you've gone through shoes. So how often should I change my shoes when I'm running? Generally every 300 miles. Okay. okay. Like what about thought- months? Can you go on I would say at least every six months minimum well if, well, if she's running a freaking ultra marathon it's like three days because she's running 240 I, she does two I, in a row. yeah i run i run about 50 miles a week 40 to 50 miles a week and i go through a pair of shoes every three months so yeah. and they're not cheap wear? anymore they're like what do you wear i wear well i i have a few shoes so i have I run ultras pumas new balance and nordas they're all for different trains like fast day long day trail day speed day so <laughs> you dope. talked about 
<laughs> you talked about genetically flat feet. What if you're genetically short like Danny? Is there a different shoe? <laughs> there are carbon plated shoes now. They're just Dude, just knows, just knows I hate so, running. Just knows I, I hate running. We go, we <laughs> battle about like how I row and do like you know high intensity functional training and do you know do That's stuff good. like that. No, no. So I just I can't run though. Like I suck. So I, you know I try to do the treadmill and you know I'll go like three miles. I think part of it is I I get my attention span is low. I get bored. So I start being, and I'm like, oh, I got to get off this thing. And I start doing push ups. Well, first of all, treadmill running is boring. And you got to go. I don't want to run outside. First. It's hot. Out. <laughs> so I got to, so this is, so I'm like the, the epitome of like, I'll get on it and I'll start running on a treadmill. And then I'll be like, oh, I've been on here for like an hour. And I look down, it says like a minute and three seconds. <laughs> and I, and yeah, that's what the I'm treadmill like, does. It's oh, really hard. It's brutal. it's it's brutal. I I never go on the treadmill. So I'd rather run in the rain in mud in the trails than go on a treadmill. No way. I don't know. So yeah. I I will say this. So I I I I raced BMX when I was a kid, and Danny will laugh mm. at me for that. Um, yeah, that's cool. And so, I, which was fine. And I like maybe landed on my back one too many times, and I think I'm on my fourth concussion that I had in January. But um, so like when when peloton came it was like do i do that because i do like to ride a bike but i just personally with my schedule don't have a lot of time to go ride outside so i got the peloton and then covid came which was you know i, I hate mm -hmm. to admit great for that because i did 168 right. straight days on it and then wow. life got back to normal and i was like okay so i want to get back to that and i wasn't bored on a bike in my house which was bizarre to me and I wonder if I got on a treadmill with Peloton or with the rower with Peloton. And, you know, we're not sponsored by Peloton yet. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'd be interested to see, like, if I could run on a Peloton tread because there's somebody yelling at me because yeah, there's something about so. that. And there's that? competition. Yeah. I've done the Peloton bike, and that's why I like like the bike because I'm a little competitive. So if there's someone on there trying to pass me, I'm like, Oh, hell no, you're not going to pass me. <laughs> oh. So I had to stop. Cause I got, actually got injured on the bike. Cause I was, I was battling every time. So I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't let it go. I can't, if I'm in a class, board. I, yeah, I'll I can't. never forget I board. <laughs> during COVID we had like five or six of my buddies and, and they're all like, all right, we're going to do this 45 minute ride. And I'm like 45 minutes. Oh my God, that sounds so long, but I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And it brought something out of me. Yeah, that I didn't expect because I was like, this son of a bitch has not beat me. And so I, <laughs> I, I found, I found a different gear. And then when he mm -hmm. tried to come back, I found another gear and it was like so motivating. Some of the problems yeah. is like, when you look at that scoreboard, you don't know those people. So you're like, I don't care if mom from Arizona is beating me, but when it's your boy <laughs> or your girl, you're like, I am not letting this this guy beat me. I know I so, get super anybody. I'm like grandmas, yeah. grandpas, uh uh, nobody. No one's passing. I know, me. but it's like I don't know mom from Arizona. She's probably a nice lady. <laughs> and so I'll I'll let her beat me. It's fine. She's beating. You know, it's fine. She probably deserves it. She probably runs a lot. Um, and but you know, when you look at it, I think there's some part of it that is in you. So when I'll ask you this because it's gonna tie in your running versus your therapy. So you're this amazing runner that's done more than most people do in a lifetime. 
and God bless you for it. Now you have that motivation. You have that drive. Now you see a patient, one of Danny's patients that is not motivated. Mm-hmm. How do you get your hundred percent is totally different than their hundred percent. How do you 100%. get the best out of them when you know they're not giving it? How do you do that? I am well known. And I think everyone at work knows this. I am a pretty tough gal. Tough love is how I kind of respond to things. So, um, and I understand that like sometimes it's hard for me to step into someone else's shoes because I don't understand people not wanting to get better or wanting to get stronger. They're just, they, they, they're settling with, with X, Y, and Z. I don't understand that. But, um, I think the only way I can do it is I try to, I get to know these people and I end up finding out like, what is it that they're passionate about? And I try to relate whatever it is to something that they like and really kind of bribe them to do things. Um, <laughs> but right, just really no, trying okay. to find any type of motivation at, you know, because I think at the end of the day, it's hard for a patient to see where they're going and how today is going to make them feel better a month from now. Um, but really it's like you, I mean, I do scare them a little bit. I am a little pushy. Um, I feel, I do feel like a mom in a lot of, a lot of ways, especially with the older patients who just kind of don't. And I'm like, look, do you want to go and walk your dog? Okay. We got to do this. You can't, you know, you want to play with your grandkids. Well, your grandkids, 15 pounds. You have to be able to do. Yeah. I bring, I bring anything I can. Um, because I think it's hard. There's, there's also a cultural difference. I, I work in, uh, you know, LA, so we have a huge Hispanic, Uh, Latino demographic and you know the ladies 40 and over they grew up not exercising and they don't value that you know like my mom would come you know like the moms that come in and I have to switch it up like I don't know my back hurts I'm like what do you do for exercise I don't exercise I've never exercised make tamales and so they're coming here and I'm like well we're gonna exercise let's start off with a 10 minute walk every day and I'm gonna give you this one exercise you have to do every single day I think also giving people realistic programs. Like I know I can't push this lady for an hour. That's the, the, she's, she's never going to come back. Um, so it's, it's a lot. I, I feel like I'm a chameleon in a lot of ways. I have to flex myself a lot with certain people. I have to be kinder to people. I have to be tougher. I have to, you know, bribe people, other people, I don't have to do anything. It's just like, this is what it is. And you have type A people you don't. So it you're really is crochet. just, you're trying to crochet grandma. <laughs> This bank ain't going to make itself, lady. Uh, Yeah. I want you to crochet and run. (laughs) It really just comes down to understanding who the patient is. And if you know who they are and what they're about, I think it's easier to get them on board with rehab. So Now, do you ever find yourself like, again, you're super highly motivated. Like you're coming in at like a 10 and the patient's at a two and they're looking at you like, listen, lady, I get this is your job, but I just don't lady. Uh, you know, uh, no, I'm yeah. talking to her. She's a lady. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. It's this big dude. And he looks at her. He's like, listen, lady, I ain't doing this. It's, and I mean, that's the thing with, with what Danny and I do when we're in the clinic and they come in and they have the, uh, there's two sides. There's always one, like I got hurt. Do I need to get this fixed? Well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? And they tell you, mm-hmm. I don't do anything. Okay. Well, you got to treat them a little bit different. If I got that 50 year old mm-hmm. like myself that, you know, call it 50, but there's these 50 year olds that are the ultra marathoners. That's totally not me, but um, I'm more on the X side, but they're like way past me. And then there's also the 50 year old that is like, I just don't care. I just want to be able to get right. to the refrigerator or the pantry to get potato chips. 
you you have to, like you said, be a chameleon and cater yourself to that patient and drive them the right. way they need to be driven. But it's, you know, there's certain times where I have to like feel like I need to tone myself down because I know what I want out of them and I know what their potential right. may be, but yeah. they have zero motivation to get there. Right. That's and the I think- part that struggle with. Yes. So I have learned, and this is kind of what I learned through sports fellowship is kind of asking the, the patients are pretty good at telling you what they want. And some people will come in and be like, Hey, I just, I just want to come in here and teach me five exercises. So if I have a patient who comes in, obviously they're coming in because they they're seeking something and I put it on them. Like, what are you willing to do? How much time are you willing to dedicate in a day? What's your max? Is it five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Or is it 20 minutes? And if someone says, look, honestly, I'm probably only going to exercise 10 minutes max in a day. Then I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to, we're going to do a 10 minute workout. And this is what you're going to do. So I do have to meet them. It's like compromising. We're not going to do a whole program, but if this is all you're going to do, let's try to take advantage of what it is that you're willing to commit. Because it's also one of these things where I tell patients, I'm like, I cannot care about you more than you care about, like more than Uh, I can't care more than you can. You know what I'm saying? I can't care about uh, you more than, more than, more than, more than some stranger. Like if you don't care, then I can't put myself in that situation where I'm going to give you 110% and you're going to give me zero. That that's, we're not meeting. So that is music to my ears. And because I find myself that I go, I can't care more about you than you, than, than yourself. And right. In those situations, it's it's like, I need you to tell me what you want and I'll give you the bare minimum because it sounds like that's what you want to give me. I'm going to give mm-hmm. you as much as you need, but if you can't meet me even halfway, I, I can't do that for you. And mm-hmm. so I think that's such that that's profound because if, if they don't want it, then you have to agree with that. So I think what you'll find is by what you just said, the 10 minutes when they hit that 10 minutes, they're like, I could do 11. I could yeah. do 12. I could <laughs> yeah. do 13. And then before you know it, there's some of your most motivated patients. I had one guy that I did uh, lower trapezius transfer. So for those of you not in medicine, we borrow a muscle in your shoulder blade to essentially make you a new rotator cuff. This guy was like 275 and he had got hurt at work and it was a bad injury. And this guy, when he was done with me, he was 175, lost a hundred pounds. And it was because he started slow. They started him and he was like, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And before he knew it, he was down 10 pounds, 20 wow. pounds, 30 pounds. And now he's got almost normal range of motion of his shoulder. And he's the thinnest he's been since high school. And he's like, I owe all this to you. I said, no, 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 no. You owe all this to yourself and your therapist. Oh, Zen's a hell of a drug. Oh, no, I wish. <laughs> and, maybe I'm, and maybe I'm Zen. Oh, my God. But, but you know, this guy's oh my boy God. now. So I, I'm going to fight him now for you and say yeah. it wasn't Ozempic. It was hard work. However, Ozempic doesn't. Yeah, there you go. So, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. I think by motivating them, uh, it, it puts them in a position that they feel empowered and they feel mm-hmm. like I can do this. And I think if you come off too strong, either as a surgeon or as a therapist, they're like, dude, listen to me. I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to do what you're saying. I'm just, right. I'm just trying to do the bare minimum. And I always love that because I'm like, well, when am I going to have full range of motion? What's I, I want normal range of motion. Uh, and it's like, what's normal. What? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what normal is. I don't know what that is. Cause your normal is different than my normal is different than Danny's different than Jess. So uh, you're going to get what you achieve. And 
it, it's based on what you had coming in. And it's, there's a lot of pieces that go into that conversation. But in the end, it, I think they have to be driven to do it because in many of those cases, they don't want to do it themselves. Right. Yeah. For sure. Let's let, so let's switch it up a little bit, Jess. Um, you know, we all know that you're a badass therapist. I want to know a lot. So everybody's really into social media. We talk about that at meetings and marketing, and and you know, I I really like your social media. I don't know if if it's your marketing or is is it your outlet? Is it like your alter ego? Me and uh, you know, Sharif like to talk about that a lot. But like number one is like, how did you get? like so good at the Instagram and like, you know, and posting regularly. And then number two is like, w- like, what are you using it for? Like, what's the goal? Like how, w- what advice can you give to people trying to get started with something like that? Um, it took me many, I've had my Instagram since it first came out. So I've had it for a long time. Um, and at first it was like a PT Instagram and I realized I just didn't like, I will do this all day already. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to do it. Like I love PT, but that's, I just don't want it to be what I identify with alone. Like I'm not just a therapist. Um, so there's like this whole other world that I'm really passionate about. Um, so I think it was more of an outlet. I do it so much and I've just never captured it. And so when people started taking pictures or I started taking, you know, documenting my journey or events, I think I just wanted to share that with people like, Hey, you can be a career driven woman, you know, um, but still do what you want to do outside of work. Um, and instead of your career. So that's how my Instagram got started. I just wanted to really motivate people because I found myself kind of questioning life. I think we do, we do embrace like the hustle culture. And I felt like, well, I'm not doing enough as a therapist. You know, I'm like, you know, even though I've done all these things and, uh, you know, done postdoctoral, you know, programs and we do all, you know, presentations and go to these courses. But I think with me, it was really trying to shine a light on, I can still be, you know, a physical therapist and still run. And, um, with me, it's just being consistent. It's like, as long as you're posting one or two times, uh, every other day or once a day, Ooh. I think people, uh, people see that and it's a lot of work, but you know, I literally, if I go on a trail run and I'll take five pictures, I have five pictures that I'm going to use, you know, on a different day. Um, but I run every day. I run six days a week. So there's just, I just have to and post it and, you know, talk about my day. And I, and that's how I kind of got started. Yeah. So Danny makes it easy for me. He makes a video on like TikTok or Instagram reels or something like that. And then I take it and then <laughs> I, 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 I just make fun of it. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so easy. It's I do so love great. your guys' yeah. banter. I think it, that's what makes yeah. it so relatable is because I, yeah. I, I do want to give you guys a perception that I think most people get is that orthos are really like, you know, like, really serious and a little bit more mean. We're not like They're like the cool jocks from high school that are doing big things, like too cool. And then, you know, you meet, you meet orthos and you're like, oh, these are people I want to hang out with all the time. But I think people don't know that. And so seeing you guys interact is like, oh, it's so cool that you guys are normal in a sense, humans with, you know, very skilled, do very skilled things and fix people and do amazing work. You know, we work, keep a so. G, we keep a gangster up in here. We keep a G. <laughs> well, while we keep a G, so why don't we keep that. a G? Yeah. So, so speaking of that, Jessica, I don't know if you've heard the other episodes, but I like to have a, so I like to have a little segment called uh, Keeping It Gangster, right? Oh. Keeping It Gangster. 
these segments, I like to discuss, you know, the latest vernacular and slang terms and, oh, and, and we kind of go over them and, and it's educational, you know, because there's a lot of dads out there with teenage kids, <laughs> or there's a lot of surgeons who want to say cool shit in the OR, or, you know, you might be walking by, you know, C Diddy and, and the, uh, the Pharaoh and we're, you know, spinning some banter and they want to know oh, what my we're God. talking about. So this is how it goes, okay? So, so I don't know. It's gonna be be you versus Sharif, and then I'm gonna get. I'm gonna put up a word. You go first, Jessica, and then you're. I'm gonna show you the word, and then you're gonna read it out loud so the audience can hear, and then you're gonna define it, and then try to use it in a sentence, right? And we go go points. We go for points and see who wins. Okay. And then Bobby, Bobby's on the sidelines. He's hey, let's bring Bobby in. Bobby, come in the episode. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. You guys, got me laugh- you guys got me laughing way too much right now. <laughs> so Bobby's uh, our DJ. What okay, up, Bobby? I was like, okay, hello, Bobby. What's going yeah. on? Hey, Jess. Okay, so real quick, hold on. I got to chime in for a second. Um, before you hopped on and we started this episode, Jess, Danny was just talking about how he's planning to evolve this Cup Daddy nickname. And I mm-hmm. love that he just dropped it on everybody out of the blue. Like, he's C. Diddy now. I'm going to just be a sign. It'll be like a logo. I'm like, Hey, do you know? <laughs> yeah. See Diddy. Okay. How'd that work out? How'd that work out for Prince? Uh, oh, man. oh, too soon. Okay. Too soon? So Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> okay. Bobby. So you're going to keep score. So, and then at the end, for bonus points, for like five bonus points, if you can use all four words in a se- in the same sentence, then you get some bonus points. Okay, all right. So, oh, but gosh. then, okay. so let's go with Jessica first. And if you don't get it, then I'm gonna give it to Shree. So here's here's the first word, Jessica. Okay. Hmm. Bussin. Okay. So now I gotta use the word in a sentence. So now define yeah. define the word bussin and then use it in a sentence. Dude, I think bussin is like, I don't know, is that a dance move? Like bussin, you're bussin down or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. For you, those of you, for those of you who are going to watch this video, look at my face. I thought you were going to do so. Okay. Dude, right. I am not. I'm pretty nerdy. All right, Sharif, <laughs> what's bussin? What's bussin? All right. Bussin means like something is great. Like I just like when I was in Rome, the food was bussin. Oh, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Oh All my right. god, you guys are real cool. I don't know. All right, Jess, okay. ready? Next word, Jess. Here goes the mm-hmm. next word. It's, it's a combo right. word. So dead ass. You gotta be dead ass, like dead on the ground laughing. Dead. Okay. Uh, yes, dead ass. Like you got me. Yeah. That's kind that of okay, joke had me dead ass on the ground. Yeah, dead. Okay, we'll get that. We'll, I'll give you that one. I'll I use it. dead ass like like I'm I'm like super serious, like. Like, dude, that case was You're dead ass hard. serious? Dead ass. Yeah. But that works, too. We'll no, give you that that's one. That's why new people ding, say, ding, like, ding, dead ding, ass ding. laughing emojis, you know? Okay, we okay. okay. All right. So, all right, here's another one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Slime? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the hell slime is. Like, slime, I'm thinking Nickelodeon slime. No, what do you think? Sharif? I, you know what? I'm going to join Jess on that and say that I'm watching Nickelodeon right now and green shit just hit me in the head. So yes. slime, right? slime is like like a homie. Like So if I saw Bobby, I'm like, yo, what up, slime? That's, what? I would, not, I would never. No. I would never say that. More I still use the word homie. Like, what up, homie? 
you know? The, okay, slime. that's like 90s. Yeah, but you know, what up, slime? Literally, hey somebody guys. said that to me yesterday. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to jump in, and uh, I'm actually going to uh, to remove Jess's point for deadass. Uh, because uh, because according to Urban Dictionary, deadass is slang for serious to be used in any See? scenario. Boo! So. <laughs> I don't like this game. All right. Wow. That's, that's, Bob, you, Bobby, that's rude, Bobby. Point. Damn, Bobby. I, 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 take, I take my job seriously, guys. It's so yeah. sweet and so nice. You could, you could string them play. together at the end for a big win. Okay, last Whatever. word, Jess. Last oh word. Gosh. Okay, bring it. Out of pocket? Like you're out of line. Like what you, you just said was out of pocket. <laughs> okay, that's good. You got that. <laughs> All right, All right, so side one, one to one. All right, so now we got to come right. up with a sentence. So try to come up with a sentence. So bussin', dead ass, slime, out of pocket. Sharif, go. I was dead ass. Hold on. I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was dead ass serious when I had that bussin' food with my slime, and that shit was out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't know. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I you used all it. of it. I don't know what it meant, but you I used all it. of it. Mm, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm thinking like interaction with somebody like, what up, slime? I'm dead serious about this bus and food we're about to eat. Dead ass. Out of pocket. You gotta use out of pocket. Oh, out of pocket. Okay, no. I don't know. Like, I would have been like, Fail. yo. I would have been like, if I'm walking up to Sharif, like, yo, what up, slime? Yo, that food last night was bussing, dead ass. Too bad Jess was acting out of pocket. <laughs> if you said, okay, so real, real quick, if you ever, if, if you Where ever, where did you grow up that, again? <laughs> if you ever said that, I would smack you so hard upside the fucking head. You don't oh ever speak God. to me like that ever again. No, I, I would look at you and be like, words. What? Next time I see you in person, if you say that to me, I'll smack you. Arizona. Just I'm gonna open you in Arizona. Open and we're gonna hand. race. I'm gonna race you in Arizona and we're gonna record it. And I'm gonna see who wins. All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, Jessica. Thanks for coming on. We had a good thanks, time. Guys. Hopefully, you had yeah, thank you guys. It's all our fun and uh, best of luck with your podcast. I'll be uh, definitely sharing this with everybody. <laughs> all right, thank girl, you, Jess. You are awesome. Right. Appreciate your time. <laughs> nice all meeting right. you guys. Bye. Bye, Bobby. Bye. Thanks for taking my point. So that was fun. We always have fun on this podcast. I, I think we're going to have to do another one. I think we should do one more. We should do one more. At least one, one more. And then one yeah. more after that. Yeah. <laughs> And then maybe one more after that. But see, Obviously. that's the thing. Like, she saw the episode, so she knows what's what with the game. Like, man, I got other games. Okay, I got other ideas. I'm not just a one trick pony. <laughs> well, I hope you're not a one trick pony because hopefully, like, when we're up to ten listeners, that people will actually like know what we're getting into, and then so we're gonna have to mix it up so that eleventh listener is just it. We want to make it new every time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to our episode. This is uh, C. Diddy and the American Pharaohs signing out. Peace. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah.
Grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Hey, I grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. All I know is get paper. All I do is shit major. But a condo on the top floor in the buildings. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent.